Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, we are going to talk about tips for making math concepts easier to learn. And my guest today is Dennis Denoya, and he holds an MA in education from the University of South Florida and has been a Florida State Certified Secondary Math Teacher since 1988. Now, Mr. D works with students from around the world on a variety of topics, including math, life skills, test prep, and more. And he has a deep passion for helping connect educational concepts to everyday life and and exposing students to endless possibilities and potential for their futures. How exciting. Welcome, Dennis. I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, Peggy, thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. This is, I was telling Dennis ahead of the show that we've been kind of talking a lot about these um, ways that students can really understand kind of like a little bit deeper and dig into their passions, experience learning versus just like it skimming over the top of them and we can check it off our to-do list. So I'm, I'm excited to have Dennis um, with us. He has a new uh, book out that's called Teach, and I just listened to it, um, and he'll talk a little bit about that too and cover some of the concepts that, that you've learned through your many years of teaching. And um, so I just love for us to start out this conversation with having you share a little bit about, you know, what 
what do you think in, in your past has made you the best teacher um, and the, formed you to be the teacher that um, can really teach um, where you're at right now? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. And thanks. Thanks for that. And hello, everyone. Uh, so I, Peggy, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, 1988, that's when this all began, right? And I'm like, yeah. wow, this is, you know, we're like 35 years into this, right? And here <laughs> we are. You know, and I think back and I'm like, well, well, where, where did it happen? Where did I really right. discover teaching? Right. And part of it for me is listening. You know, I, there is something about how we listen to young people and yeah. listening to a young person is different than listening to an adult and listening to an adult's different than listening to a young person. Mm-hmm. The, the, for me, where it happened, and really this is, um, you know, I, as, a, as a public school teacher and I, I taught in the school system until uh, 2005 and then I, I was done after that, yeah. right? <laughs> then we started developing the mystery math program. But, you know, as a, and I, I tell this story when I'm out at conventions and things like that. It's like I would tell people, you know, you know, as a public school teacher, one of the things that I did that most public school teachers did and, you know, right around three o'clock in the afternoon was we headed to our second job because being a public school teacher didn't pay very well. Right. Right. But my second job was tutoring. And so, you know, I was and I was one of those road warriors, man. I was in the car and I was wow. driving from place to place and every day. And I finally actually opened up a center and huh. the center we had, you know, we had Oh, I don't know. I think we had about a hundred students a week coming through the center. I had to get more teachers. It was kind of fun for me. You know, I've always had that kind of business mindset in the right. background. So it was great. But what really happened for me was the tutoring business opened my eyes to young people because, you know, as a public school teacher, I was teaching seventh grade, eighth grade. You know, if I was in a middle school, high school, I had the ninth grade to 12th graders, but right. it was always the same couple of subjects during the day. But when you get mm. in the tutoring business, you get to see everything, you know? So I was having kids come in that were, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. And then, you know, the fourth grader would leave and the next person coming in was a 12th grader. And the person after that was back to a sixth grader. And then sometimes I'd get college kids that would come in. And so I started to pay attention because it was like, you know, I'm seeing, well, what is it that this third grader that I'm talking to right now, what do they need to know? Because there was a sixth grader that was just here before them and what they were working on. And it started to open some pathways for me so that I could start to look and see what are the things that kids need because I could see where they were headed. And it was way more than my, you know, my middle school or high school teaching career because I was teaching an algebra class or geometry class or whatever the course was I was teaching. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't seeing where the kids were coming from and where they needed to get to. Like we knew what the skills were in that class, but what were they doing on their way there? Mm -hmm. me, that's what started to pave the way for me as as a teacher. The second part of that was that, you know, when kids come in for tutoring and they're asking a question, it, it, it's different than when you're in front of a class. So when you're yes. in front of a class, you're saying what there is to say, you hope they get it, you see them the next day, come back with your questions, right? <laughs> right. But when you got you got a young person, you know, and they're sitting, they're sitting right in front of you and they're looking you in the eye and you can see they're not getting it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so for me, it was like, I always had this kind of a rule for myself. If I couldn't explain it 10 different ways, then I probably didn't understand it myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and usually I was good. I could come up with seven or eight. And if I got to 10, that was really awesome. <laughs> but really for me, it was like, I needed to know that I could say it more than one way. And mm-hmm. 
people trained me. It really was. And what I started to notice was it was all based on their learning styles. And one yeah. young person would learn it one way, another would be another way. You know, I'd see another uh, fourth or fifth grader would come in and they'd sit down and they'd be working on fractions and they'd say the same thing that I just talked to another kid about, but they didn't get it that way. And I had to come up with a different strategy and start to look. So oftentimes I was asking them, well, what do you like to do during the day? And what's your right. favorite thing? You know, so I was learning about them so I could relate mm -hmm. what they were learning about to their life. And right. it made, you know, that made a difference. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed too was, you know, in, in uh, especially, I noticed this when I was a college student um, and you're sitting in class and the teachers are talking to you and they give you a definition and I would be, boy, I, I'm going to have to go look up the words in the definition so I can understand the definition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so when I started creating courses, I thought about, well, what would it be like to put the language in the language of a young person, of a teenager, like write it in the words that they know, as opposed to trying to get them to figure out what the words mean. And, you right. know, sometimes people think, oh, you're just kind of dumbing it down. I'm like, I'm not dumbing it down. I'm just getting into a language that we're talking that young people can understand where I'm exactly. coming from. And it's just that it's at their level, as opposed mm -hmm. to them trying to jump to my level, because it's already math is confusing as it is, right? And right, then, exactly. Then you talk to them and they don't understand what's going on. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the background really was the tutoring business um, and then in like, like listening. And it was, um, you know, it was great for me because because I got curious. And I think that yeah. was, um, you know, and I think that's something that uh, that we sometimes miss as educators. Mm -hmm. It's the curiosity. It's like wow, why do they think that way? And what was that? And right. fortunately, my graduate degree, I had a choice. Uh, I, <laughs> I decided I wanted to get the master's degree. And it was funny. It was like, I, I looked at the idea of the master's degree and I got to pick. There was math and there was counseling. And <laughs> for me, I thought, well, let's see, I'm already pretty good at math. And if I take a math program, that's a lot of homework, right? And if I do the counseling program, hmm, I'm going to write papers about how I feel, right? I'm like, yeah, I think I want to do that. And I actually went that route and I really? did graduate work in counseling and psychology. But for me, it just opened up so many doors because it had me learn about how to listen. Right. <laughs> and it had me looking at how people learn and that everybody's different and like looking at different dynamics of young people, not only just, uh, you know, yeah. when they're sitting there in front of me, but what's going on in their home life and where are they coming from? So there was just so many different things. So my, my own education made a difference, but that led me to the practice and the practice was being able to just kind of get in their world and, and hear what's going on for them. Yeah. So I hope I answered the question. Um, oh, yes. Kind of, no, yeah. that's intriguing, though. And I, I think it, there's so many parallels to um, parents who are homeschooling. You know, first of all, that multi-age, you know, we often like just cringe when we're like, I'm teaching so many kids at different levels. But, you know, looking at your experience, you saw that as benefit. Um, right. And, and how, you know, how the maybe it wasn't the math concepts or that you were teaching, but the struggles, you know, coming in in similar ways and in different things and um, being able to to take, you know, absorb that information and and see why. I think a lot of times we just default to, well, it's just whatever I'm using to teach. And a lot of parents don't feel confident in the subject as well. And so that that can lead to a lot of issues, I'm assuming, um, if you're you're not able to take something from 10 different ways, you've got the one way and it doesn't work for your student. Um, right. And I know we've, we've heard from a lot of parents. We had a lot of questions come in about, you know, various like math facts and those types of things. Is it just that the one way doesn't work 
or they haven't tried enough ways or, or how, um, what, what is your, your take on that as, as far as like, you know, a student memorizing math facts, you know, right. there could be a lot of different things going on. <laughs> yeah. I, well, actually, and, and I think that's really kind of the place to look from is there's a lot of different things going on and there's the age of the student, there's the learning style and how they learn. And by the way, one thing I want to say to your listeners, right. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, for me to say something 10 different ways, right, that only has to do with math and maybe music. But other than that, you know, <laughs> science, that's not happening. Social studies, that's not happening. So right. you know, one thing just to applaud our homeschool families and homeschool moms mm-hmm. and dads, because you are doing something pretty extraordinary by you're taking it yes. all on. And so, you know, so, so, you know, when I say, oh, just do it 10 different ways, you know, I'm talking about a specific specialty for me. And that's what mm-hmm. I focused on. And that was a career path that led me to where I got to, yeah. so, you know, but with that, but back to math facts, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, it's, it, you might, you might even notice uh, that you do something with a young person one day and you think that's going to stick and work. And the next day, what was working before isn't working, then it's, it yes. stops working, right? Right. So, yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it takes something. And it, it's funny because when you, you look at the research and you see, you know, somebody says, oh, this, this is what the data shows. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, data is data, you know, and that's right. it. If you've ever taken a statistics class and you've looked at statistics, statistics can be molded and kind of skewed and kind of turned into what you want yes. them to say. Yep. So I, you know, I'm, I'm more about that, uh, that, you know, when you're looking at like what's happening, it's like, you don't have to look much further than your own living room and really sit down with your young person and see what's going on with them. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. With math facts, you know, one thing I can say is, you know, it does depend on their age. And um, I can tell you, for me, I was a I was kind of a hands on kid and I learned my multiplication skills by counting pennies. Now, this is this is going to sound kind of funny because, uh, you know, I'm going to show my age a little bit. But 
Um, but my parents used to, you know, they would keep the coin jar, right? And right. they would tell us, um, tell my brother and I and say, okay, um, every time you, you know, you roll 50 pennies and put them in the wrapper, you get to take that to the bank. Well, I was like, well, this is awesome, right? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like you know, 50 cents back then actually was like, you know, you right. Could, yeah. You it was get five packs of gold for that or baseball cards. <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay, let's go. Um, but, but I, and it was funny cause I discovered skip counting on my own. Hmm. Uh, because what I was doing was I would see the pennies on the table and I was watching my brother count one, two, three. And I was like, man, this is right. too slow. And so all this mm-hmm. started counting by twos and then by threes and fours. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. It's like, wait a minute, this is what they've been telling me in math class with the times tables. And right. so I started to see the skip counting and there's plenty of programs out there that utilize skip counting. I know uh, mm-hmm. Matthew C is really big on that and they start yep. with the skip count, which is awesome. I, and then you have programs like Saxon, which is more the rote memory and you're going to, you're mm-hmm. going to do it that way and to memorize the times tables and flashcards and all the different things. So, you know, it, it really is going to depend. So I'll, here's what I have a, a go-to method. Uh, mm-hmm. And this method might sound a little, um, uh, different, we'll say that. So, you know, when you look things up on the internet, you're going to see everybody says what they say about it, right? Right, exactly. So you won't hear this on the internet, but you'll hear it from me. So, <laughs> you know, if you have a young person in there and you want to discover with them, you know, and now you're going to use the word discover on purpose because yeah. you're discovering with them what works. So you have them stand in front of the mirror. And while they're standing in front of the mirror, you can try it different ways. You can have them say it out loud. You can have them read it off a card. You can have them put the cards up and show the cards in the mirror. You can have them, if they're skip counting, to skip count. If you need music, you need a little beat in the background going and they got Mm -hmm. the drum going. All the different ways. But what you want to have the young person do is to look in the mirror and have them watch their own eyes. And it's a really interesting thing because when the eyes connect – and you can see, like you can see it in the mirror. You'll see that that they're getting it, and you'll know. And then that's ah. the moment that you know this is what's working. Um, right. For me, I used to use that to try to memorize things. Uh, so what I would do is I would I would read something in front of me, and I would read it out loud. I'd read it to myself in the mirror. And what was great was it's like I knew if I knew it or not because huh. my eyes would let me know. It's like, hey, you got this, or my eyes would say, uh, I don't think you got this yet. You know, so. Uh. It's just an interesting thing, it, and it's awkward. So I will tell you that too. So moms, you know, you're listening. Well, we're working that. on speaking it, skills too, right? Hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's go stand in front of the mirror and talk to ourselves. And I know that sounds a little bit a little funny, but it really does work. Uh, right. And, and you're going to see so many different things happen. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a fun thing to see. And I know people are going to be worried about you know they're going to groom themselves and the way their hair looks and you know yeah. <laughs> we'll go through all that. You don't have to totally post it on fine. social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah, probably don't videotape that particular thing that you're doing but have them experiment with it and for the kids that say mom this is really weird you just agree with them you go you know you're right it Mm -hmm. is so let's see what happens and uh, let's go with it and how weird can you be you know so now make funny faces in the mirror and be goofy about it i mean they're just kind of play with it and you know because you're out to discover and out to discover what works uh, and most of the time, it'll be kind of that Einstein approach, like it's going to be by accident, like you're going to kind of wander into it, right? And right. that's the greatest thing ever, because that is what discovery is like. It's like, now you've discovered something where there wasn't necessarily like, we're trying to get to this end about how to best do math facts, mm-hmm. but we want to discover what works for us and not necessarily, um, well, this is the method that I've used. So this is what's going to work for you. Maybe yeah. it will, but if it Maybe. doesn't, then you got to look to see what else is next. 
Right. You know, it's interesting. You, you brought up a memory for me while you were talking about that, because that whole skip counting thing, I remember them really pushing it in math. And I'm like, I would tell myself, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. I can get this. And so I would say the one, you know, like two, I'd say one silently in my head, I'd say two out loud, then I'd say three in my head, and I'd say four out loud. And I so that's how I taught myself to skip count. And then of course, it came automatically. But um, but it was something I devised. And I think that's why I remember it so well. Um, because somebody didn't tell me how to do it. I had to come up with it myself. Right. And, yeah. That always yeah. is the best. Yeah. And you know, so, there's the yeah. tapping, you got all these different right. things. You can try, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, it brings so much power to the student. And I know you want to talk about discovery and that really leads us really good into that conversation about the difference between teaching a student versus leading them into that discovery mode. So um, I would love for you to be able to just kind of tell our parents what that's about and why it's so important. Well, it, I think there's a process to it um, about, you know, in when it goes through discovering. And so I'm going to kind of walk through this. Um, I, you know, I, I, for me, it, I have to tell you, this is how this started was my first year of teaching. So I, I'll actually share this. So, um, you know, when I started teaching, uh, I was, you know, I was a young guy. I was in my 20s. And so, of course, what's the school school board do? They're like, dude, we're going to send you to the most difficult kids. Oh, yeah. in the morning, right. And they're like, <laughs> I'll see if you survive. No, you're the young hip guy. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Right. <laughs> anyway, so I got sent to this program and the students, it was a dropout prevention program. The kids had been taken, they'd been taken, removed from their local high school and sent to a vocational campus. <laughs> got to imagine. Wow. Take tough kids. And what do you do with them? You send them to an adult vocational campus. So now you've got 16, 17, 18 year olds on an adult campus. I don't know what they were thinking. That right. was a recipe for a mess, you know, but, uh, but yeah. there we were. And so we work with them and then, but they were getting some vocational classes. So it, it was kind of cool, but mm -hmm. you know, these were kids that they didn't want to be there. Uh, right. They, they already had been labeled and they knew that they were the, you know, the troublemakers are the ones that didn't want to come to school. And, you know, so they, they knowing that, right. Mm -hmm. And then here I show up first year school teacher. And I'm like, I'm going to change the world, you know, yeah. we're going to <laughs> and they're all looking at me like, yeah, right. And so, you know, so I would give them work to do, give them their assignments. And I would tell them, okay, I'm going to take all the work home. I'm going to grade it over the weekend. I'm going to come back. And then, you know, we're going to have a chance to go over and look and see how it went. And every week I did this on Sunday and I would sit down and I would grade their papers. You know, now as a public school teacher, I had five classes. There was about you know, 25 to 30 kids in a class. So wow. I'm, you know, 125 to 150 papers I'm grading. Well, can't say all that because not everybody turned their homework in. But the right. ones that did, I took that with me. And oh. I'm grading it and I'm writing all these notes on it, you know, and I'm making the smiley faces and the, right. the oh, almost yeah. smiley faces. You know, the all good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? I come back on Monday, you know, I hand the papers to the kids. And no kidding, it was the same thing every time. I'd hand the papers to the kids. Mm -hmm. They'd look down at the paper. They'd look at their grade. They'd look up at me. They'd look back at their paper. And then they'd put it under their desk. And I was like, but you didn't look at the comments I wrote. They were like, no, no, we got it. We got it. Right. They just wanted to see what grade they had. And so I did this for a whole semester. And I realized it's like, this is not working. Right. Right. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this, and so kind of out of a frustration, uh, I came back, you know, came back after Christmas. And plus I was watching football on Sundays. I could grade papers, watch football. Football season was ending. And I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, right. I <laughs> So, you know, I came back into class and, you know, I told the kids and I said, you know, when I say kids, these were teens, right? And I said, right. all right, you guys, here's the deal. Uh, you know, this is a math book. The answers are in the back of the book. 
So here's what I want you to do. You check your work. I'm going to assign the odd ones. That's the odd answers are there. And then you let me know what you got. And they looked at me like, what you know, just it was the strangest look because they were so used to turning in their work. Somebody grades it for them. They give it back to them. And then they tell them how they did and off they go. Right. And I was like, you know what? No, we're not going to do that. That's clearly not working. You're, you know, I'm not getting anything out of it and mm-hmm. wasting my Sunday. So it's on you. Funny thing happened. You know, they look in the back of the book and in the back of a math book, a traditional, uh, you know, textbook, right? All right. that's there is the answer and it doesn't right. show them how to do it. Right. Right. So next thing I know, these kids, now they're all of a sudden, they're, they're like, but I got this wrong. Like, well, yeah, good, for, you know, sorry. Well, right. but I don't know why it's wrong. Oh, mm-hmm. well, bring it up here and let's look at it. And we started to have conversations and I right. thought, oh my gosh, we're onto something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you kind of think about, think about the, the motivation that it's almost like that reverse peer pressure. Like one kid's checking their work and getting upset because they got it wrong and wanted to come talk to the teacher. And another kid's like, wow, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Okay, fine. And then they would uh-huh. say, you know, we're having conversations. The kids are talking. We're, you know, we're engaged in something. Mm-hmm. Their grades are starting to go up. And what, what was the whole cap, you know, the whole thing that started that was like, I'm not grading your work anymore. You're grading yourself. And <laughs> I took that with me throughout my entire career. So the first wow. thing really for me about discovering was giving ownership of the work back to the student. Yes. And that was, that was the very first thing. So in our courses, Everything is written out step by step. You know, all the practice problems, we have a complete solution manual and we tell students, okay, this is your work. You grade it. And then when you know that it's complete and done, then let us know. In fact, when it's complete and done and you have it completely done, you get a hundred percent on it. So if you fix your mistakes, you're going to get credit for that. Well, that's a whole different way of grading. You know, kids love it because they're like, wait a minute, I can get a hundred on everything. And I'm like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I always ask them, I say, and then if you don't make a hundred on it, whose fault is that? It's mine. Okay. You got uh-huh. it. Right. <laughs> for this, right? It made a difference and they can, they bring it to us. And then, uh, you know, then mom started to ask me questions about that. And the mom's yeah. question was, well, how do I know if they're not just copying the answers down? And I thought, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. How would you know? Right. And yep. so kind of a funny thing. And they're like, Hmm, well, you know, I said, why don't you pick a couple of problems and have them teach it to you? And okay, good. Let's do that. Right. So what are we doing? The next part, the next piece of this is that they're presenting their work and they're sharing with, they're sharing with, you know, sharing with parents. And if you think about, and Peggy, think about when you were Mm -hmm. homeschooled, right? Did you ever notice that when you first as a homeschool mom and, and for people listening, when you first started homeschooling, did you ever have that moment where you were teaching something and you stopped and said to yourself, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense to me now. Oh yeah. Absolutely. We never understood this yes. before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about why is that happening, it's because you're the teacher and now right. you're delivering, you're presenting, you're the one that is now starting to make some connections and some insights. Now I will say yep. there it has something to do with the maturity, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're an adult and so your brain's a little more connected and it's got different, uh, you know, different functions are going on on the inside, right. but still there's that moment that as you're the one presenting, you're literally present to what you're saying. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, uh, young people are just like, they're just going through the motions of getting stuff done and they just want to get it done and turn it in and have you grade it and give it back to them. Right. So we're reversing all that. It's like, no, you grade it yourself. And then you come teach me about what you're learning. Yeah. 
talk about discovery. That's yeah. where it begins to happen. And like you said before, in the mirror, right? Kids are learning mm-hmm. presenting skills because they're talking out loud. Yes. Yeah. All these different things are happening. So they're learning about how to present themselves, how to present their work, how to do complete work. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's oftentimes my own staff, they send me something and I have to send it back. And I'm like, did you even look at this? You know, and so it's like, you know, how often that, you know, I feel like how often that we're, we're not good at editing our own work. Yes, and I think, that that I think part of that is um, part of that is because we never were taught to do it. No mm-hmm. one ever said to us, have us, you send us complete work first. We were taught to do the same thing. Get your mm-hmm. work, give it to somebody else. They're going to look at it. They're going to grade it. They're going to give it back to you. And then you figure out, you know, and see if you understand what they wrote down as opposed to right. you you do the corrections yourself. It's your mm-hmm. work, right? And when it's 100% complete and it's your best work, then give it to us. And yeah. I think that makes a huge difference. I, I, I know does. it makes a difference for myself because I have to go back. I have to do it even more because I'm training my staff to be that way with me. And so I have to be even better at it because right. I'm going to be the example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, they're so excited when they catch me you know, doing something like that, right? Um, my <laughs> students, when I, I teach a class with our students and we, we tell them, um, you know, if you catch, you know, not all of our teachers will do this. I do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I tell the kids, I go, look, if you catch me uh, making a mistake during a live class, like when we're doing like a Zoom class, you know, right. uh, if you catch me making a mistake, I'm going to send you a $5 Amazon gift card. Right now, I've been doing that for years. Um, fortunately, I'm not teaching as many classes anymore. But man, you want to get kids paying attention to what you're doing? What a great way to do it. They're motivated. Of course, now it's like everything right. I write down, that's wrong. That's wrong. Well, what's wrong about it? And then now they've got to tell me, they've right? They've got it right. Yeah, so sometimes, yes. sometimes I actually did, it, I did, did a good job and then they're kind of like they're trying to catch me, but they didn't. But it's really, uh, again, it's, you know, it's giving them that ownership and having them be on the hook for something that they're looking. Mm -hmm. But that for me is like, you know, when they are owning something, they're out to discover versus just um, retaining the information. Right. Well, I think when, as you were talking about that, you know, you you were talking about how the, the fact that in the past and probably how we, I was taught, you were taught, you know, with the, the someone else editing, um, we were never given the open door as to what that person's, you know, thought process was as to why that was wrong um, or what, you know, could have made it better. You know, all of those, that learning, that extended learning was shut down and we shut it down right at that point versus saying, this is an open door. This is a, a place where you can even discover more and we want to invite you into that. And um, I think we do. We, we shut that, that door so often for students that they just say, well, that that's not even a door that I can go through. And what a disservice that we're, right. we're doing, because eventually we want kids that do that self-discovery and dig into to topics and, you know, go to jobs that like people who work for you <laughs> that that do that. But but yet we're not teaching them that process of, of how to do that. And, yeah, it, yeah, it does make a difference. I, I, was, I was in eighth grade, um, and this is the first time I kind of discovered it on my own, right? <laughs> um, and if I tell the truth, I wasn't the best student. So I, we'll just kind of just leave it at that, right? Okay. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was playing baseball and playing music, and, you know, that I just seemed to me like, well, that's what I'm going to do in my life, mm-hmm. right? So math, what are you kidding? And, you know, my eighth grade math teacher, I was in an algebra one class and 
he, I think he kind of had just given up on me, you know? And so we were taking a test one day and I really didn't know. I mean, I just didn't know what to do. Right. And uh, he said, look, he goes, you know, the solution manual to all the homeworks up here. He said, you can have it and use it on your test. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, he's saying that like, it's not going to make any difference at all. Right. So I went in and I'm looking at the problems on the test and I'm finding examples in this solution manual and I'm seeing, oh man, step-by-step how to do it. Right. I got the highest grade on the test. Hmm. And I said, can I use that anytime? And he, he actually let me continue to do it. And other kids wanted to do it too at that point. Right. Right. But it, it showed me something. It was like, wow, I can actually find this information. And right. It was, that was huge for me, you know, and it was, mm-hmm. got me through algebra one, right? So yeah. it was, yep. it was really good. yeah, I think if he knew I did what I do in my life as a career, like he'd be like, what, you know, but anyway, yeah. he actually, he actually provided something, uh, not on purpose. I don't think it was his intention, but for him, it was like, it was, a it way was to probably get his last ditch effort with you. Exactly. Right. <laughs> then, hey, man, I'm going to get you off my back. Right. You know, right. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, what what a great experience that has helped you help just thousands of students and families that, um, yeah, for a different way of, of doing things. And, and, and really, he wasn't giving you the answer to that specific question. It was just a like question. So right. that thought process that you had to go through, but yet you were motivated to to really push through and, and to, to do it right. And so that um, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you, so it's not about the right answer, really learning isn't it's, right. it's about the process. Yeah. And I think that's a mind shift that a lot of us have to make. Um, cause we're taught so much. It's all about just getting the right answer and, and it does take longer. Um, but, but in the long run, does it really take longer when you're teaching students how to learn not for the right answer? Have you seen that? Is Absolutely. is there a give and take in that? Yeah, there is. A, here's the give and take. You know, if uh, if you're you know if you're you're a parent and you you're working with your own kid, you're working with your own child, and you're noticing that it's taking longer, right? <laughs> the little that little you know when you turn the what's the you know when you turn a little thing upside down and the sand drips down. Um, oh yeah, the, yeah. You know the clock, right? <laughs> right. And. Uh, you know, that for some reason, when it's your own children, there's less sand in the clock than when it's your, uh, you know, when somebody <laughs> else's kid, right? Yeah. You have much more patience with someone else's child than your own, uh-huh. and, you know, because we're so invested in them getting it. Right. Um, but somebody else's child, you're like, ah, you know, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. Come on, we'll just kind of dance with this and see what happens. And, you know, go ahead, mess it up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, letting them kind of move through that space it can be a challenge. It can be frustrating and we don't want to do it. But if we take that time mm-hmm. to do it that one time, it might take that, it might take an hour for them to get one problem. Once they get that one problem, they've developed the skill set that now they can apply. And yeah. that's huge. So it's going to take yeah. a little bit of time up front to save time later. So, you know, so absolutely. And, you know, when you, you think about getting the right answer, you know, and again, that just takes us back to, you know, our own upbringing and what we were told. And this is the way that you do things. And, right. you know, I think about my own, you know, public school upbringing and, and what it was like. And it was all about, you know, how many can you get right? You know, that was that was it. And it wasn't right. even how many you can get right. It was like, you know, you come home at the end of the day. 
that's what your parents wanted to know. What do you mean you made a B on that or a C on that? Why didn't you get them all right? Why didn't you make an A? It's like mm-hmm. we, were, we were conditioned that that's what we do. Right. So, you know, my question is always this. It's like, you know, are you going to go through life and never make a mistake? You know, are you are you going to be yeah. right all the time? Now, that's kind of funny to think about. Are we going to be right all the time? There's plenty of us that think that we should be. And some and then there's some <laughs> of us that think that we are right. You know, so, so yeah, that's the, that's the psychology side of it. Right. But, right. The, uh, you know, but the but the actual thing of making mistakes and doing things wrong and not not getting the right answer. Absolutely. That is a skill set. And if you can get comfortable with that. Hmm. And it's like, you know, I mean, you, you just have to get to the logic of it. We're not always going to be right. We right. know we're going to make mistakes. So why not make mistakes and learn how to do what? Learn how to actually move through the spaces of when you do make a mistake, how can you then, what can you do about it? And then right. where can you go? And what skill set can you have so that you can get to the right answer? So yeah, for mm-hmm. me, it's, it really is not about the right answer. It's about the the process, like you were saying, like, what can yeah. you discover about yourself and your own learning and mm-hmm. your own pathway that gets you to how to get to how do you get to whether the right answer is? And maybe you never get to the right answer, but you discovered something along the way. Yeah. And what you discovered is going to help you much more than whether you got that answer right or not, especially in a math problem. It's like, OK, well, there's lots yeah. of math problems. You don't have to get them all right. Get as many mm-hmm. right as you can. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's always those little those little things that trip you up, like those negatives and that's right. <laughs> the parentheses. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm glad you said that because because that is something, especially with boys. And I will say, you know, because their handwriting tends to be a little um, uh, yeah, different than girls. Right. Uh-huh. But it's normal that, you know, they're forgetting negative signs and, you know, they're getting things wrong it does work itself out as they get older. So, you know, so there is that if you, cause sometimes I know parents get frustrated, like, yeah, but if they just keep forgetting to write the negative sign down or they wrote it down, but they didn't see it. And it's like, that's okay. That yeah. is just, you know, have them keep looking and have them keep noticing. And that does will work itself out over time. So, you know, yeah. it's like, just think uh, we get better at communicating. We get better mm-hmm. at, uh, we get, we become better readers. We become better writers those things work themselves out um, with practice. And that's the biggest thing. Exactly. And it's that practice, you know, it's people always say, you know, well, I just, I'm not gifted in that, but you know, I, I know I started this broadcast five and a half years ago as kind of like a taunt from my middle child. Um, and I'm like, I am not good on camera. I can't do this. And now I see myself here and I'm like, yeah, because I've done this for five and a half years every week. Um, and that's why, I can now do what I'm doing. I was never comfortable in this space. And, but yet you just keep doing it. And that's, you know, we, we show our kids that persistence in our own lives. And, um, and it is, it's, it's making a lot of mistakes reviewing. And I, I love that mirror thing back, back to what you were talking about before, because you can evaluate yourself, you know, we're a little critical on ourselves, but you know, we got to have a lot, a lot of praise coming into it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you just you you just improve through the process, and that's oh, without a doubt, yeah, yeah. It, it is. I mean, it is. It's a gift, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's a gift for us, and you know, we you know, we look like we're not designed to be perfect. We weren't made that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and we're perfect just the way we are, right? Yes, so you know, exactly. you have that, but it's like we're yeah. we're perfectly imperfect. Is a you know probably yeah. you know one way to look at that. <laughs> You know, but but I think for us, like I think that we, 
you know, that we get to be not perfect so that we can discover. And I think that's a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, and it, and it, and it leads us to the next step and it's, you know, we're being, we're being led and, you know, go in faith, man, because that's, that's what there is. It's like, it's, it's our, it's our gift and it's our, it's our birthright to discover who we get to be and and the path that's been laid out for us in this lifetime. Absolutely. Yes. I I think that gives us a good transition point. Um, a lot of times math, we think of math as very conceptual and, um, and and procedural so you know but yet it's applicable (laughs) um and so we had a question from one of our viewers talking about you know that the difference between procedural and conceptual math and then she kind of went into i have one child who enjoys saxon and another who likes horizons another um who likes bju and um and so she was asking you know just a lot of questions about that and she said i know my daughter has gaps love to teach and easy math facts, but I know it, um, builds upon itself. So, um, but I'd love to address that procedural conceptual kind of versus applicable. Cause a lot of times, you know, we, we dive into one or the other and sometimes our curriculum has that too. And then our kids are asking, well, how am I going to use this? And, you know, it's kind of, kind of, we, they have to have both at, right. kind of at some point. So, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, you know, and it's funny because you think about, you know, the procedural, conceptual, and if you uh, do any, you know, do any research on it, right, what you're going to see is how much they they kind of use their own words. Like you're going to see the word conceptual inside of what the, talks about being procedural. If you see procedural, mm. they're talking about concepts. Kind of funny how the overlap is there. Yeah. I think what this is going to come down to is the learning styles. And, mm. you know, what you're going to notice is that, you know, everybody learns a little differently. And there right. are kids that they want that procedure. They need that step by step. And they want to have that, you know, that recall information. And they want to be able to, to yeah. learn, the you know, um, geometry proofs are a great, uh, a great mm. you know, kind of, a, I would say great. It's an interesting way to look at this when you're doing a proof in geometry. Because if you have memorized all of the theorems, mm-hmm. you know, if you can see how it flows, uh, sometimes that works for you. And sometimes that doesn't work at all, right? right? Because it's the other person coming from the concept where they're looking at where they can see that big picture and they can kind of look and see, well, how does this fit together? And it's almost Mm -hmm. to them like a puzzle. And they may not know the definition. They may not have that recall, but they know how to get from one place to the next because yeah. they're going through the the concept kind of that, you know, that, that where they're looking at it like a project is kind of more that life. Right. Um, you know, I, I use the phrase, um, <laughs> have you ever heard where people talk about, you know, that, yeah. Well, anyway, I can say the biggest question I get asked from our students is, you know, when am I ever going to use this in real life? Oh yeah. Yeah. To them is always the same. It's like, in real life, well, what life are we in right now? Are you in a pretend life? I, I don't get it. Oh, are right. we talking, oh, let's talk about imaginary numbers. Okay, great. We'll bring it right back to math. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so I always use the phrase math outside of a math class, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, for students, it, it's just looking. It's like, what is that learning style? Are they a procedural kind of kid? And you're going to know. You're going right. to just notice how they do their chores, right? Are they mm-hmm. are they the box checker or are they looking at the big picture and they're looking at, okay, what do I need to do? And what's this going to look like? How's this going to look when it's all done? Right? right. And there's your conceptual. They get the concept of, you know, cleaning the room, right? Your mm-hmm. procedural one, they may not know what it's going to look like when it's all done, but they know the first thing they're going to do is, you know, okay, dirty clothes, 
pick up, check, got it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, papers on the floor, pick up, check, right? You know, so mm-hmm. it, it's looking at where they are and then finding curriculums that match that learning style. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes we look at it like, well, if I have a procedural learner, then I need to train them in being conceptual. Hmm. And I think that's going to come in time, but you know, right. for me, my recommendation is go with what works, right? Yeah. Because if you take somebody and you, especially you take a, a course, you know, you take courses like Saxon and, you know, and then BGO, BJU press and some, you know, math courses, you know, they're hard, right? Our math class, we tell young people all the time, you know, you get to geometry and algebra too. It's hard, right. you know, and, and having them come into, you know, into something that's difficult and then ask them to do it in a way that's not comfortable for them mm. can lead to frustration and it can lead to, you know, all the things that we talk about math is why people don't like math as right. opposed to, well, how do you best learn and mm. what works for you? And then how can you, how can you get to that? And then finding the curriculum that's a match for that. So guess what happens moms? And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how it looks, right. You know, you may have one Saxon kid at home. You may have another, uh, you know, you may have a Matthew C. <laughs> that's a hard thing to hear. But yeah. You may have a Mystery Math at home, you know, mm-hmm. um, the CTC Math, which is a super cool program that's out there now, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so you have to go with what works for a young person. Okay. I know it'd be great if there's like a, you know, one size fits all, but that's not really how it works. So. <laughs> right. Well, because you as a curriculum developer have to have a, a standard like student in mind in order to create a, a product that is succinct. Right. I mean, and I explain that to parents when I talk about customizing curriculum. It's like you you have to lean into that curriculum developer because they were doing this job with a, a very set student in mind to make sure that they were purposeful in creating a product that made sense because <laughs> right. you, you can't be all over the board. Um, and so, so yes, yeah, sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. And, um, yep. and I think that your question kind of leans towards the, um, we had one other question from a, a mom about teaching this, a child math who has dyslexia. Mm. Um, is that kind of the same with, with that leaning into the strengths? Cause I know a lot of kids with dyslexia are usually very, um, artistic, have, they have the ability to see all these things. They're very conceptual. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many different things that, um, that people can do. One of the things that I've seen that works with young people that, that deal with dyslexia is using a, using graph paper. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, so it's everything's going in a box and they can mm-hmm. you know take the time. It's going to take them more time to write it down. So there is right. that. Um, but it does. And in, in fact, um, the lattice multiplication, um, you Google that and look and see how it works in that. But the lattice multiplication also is great for kids that deal with dyslexia because it has them hmm. put things in boxes and kind of work through that. Oh, so it's okay. kind of. It's, it's going to take a little bit longer, um, but it but it does work. But but I would also say for young people that struggle with them looking and seeing and what they're seeing is not what's there. Right. Mm. Go back again to what have them teach you. And yes. and you just say to them, okay, you know, we want to learn times tables today. How would you tell me how to understand what four times three is? And if you notice, it's not, I'm not saying what four times three is. I'm saying what, how to understand what four times three is uh-huh. or whatever it is they're working on. Right. And what's going to happen is, that the young person that struggles, they're going to figure out how they, how it best works for them. And they're going to tell you, right. you know, so when you give them the problem and say, well, teach me this and you, maybe you're working on multiplication 
and it's just too much for them, right? So mm-hmm. back up to something they can do and back up to addition, back up to subtraction and say, mm-hmm. well, show me how you would do this and how do you do it? How do you, how do you, when, when you see this, what does it look like to you? Or, you know, what do you hear when you're, when you're doing this? They're right. going to teach you in a way that works for them and you're going to see, they're going to kind of, you know, it's like, I'm going to say they're exposed, they're going to expose their own gifts. Um, yes. because then from there, then you can see how it works for them and how it, I promise the person that's got dyslexia learns it way differently than the one that doesn't. Right. Right. But they can do it and they're going to do it in a way that works for them. Not necessarily hmm. the way that works for the, for their siblings or, you know, for the mom or dad. Um, right. but, you know, but I would always start with be verbal, have them teach you, uh, you know, and, and let them tell you what's happening and how to do it. And if they can't do it with that concept, get to one that they can do because oh, you want to yes. see, you know, yeah. back up, back up to something that they can do so that you can see how are they processing things. And the mm, more that you mm-hmm. can observe them, the more that you can support them. And that is, um, yes. you know, because I don't think there is a, a one way way to do, you know, when a child has a specific learning challenge, I don't think there's any one way. That's why if you Google it and you look on the internet, you're going to see 20 different things and, you know, right. everybody's tried something different, but it's really, you know, allowing your young person to tell them, you know, let them share with you about what works for them. Right. Uh, and sometimes they don't know. So give them something mm. they do know, and then they'll share with you about that and you'll see it and it'll be there. Yeah. We, we become a, a student of our child. And I, I think it's, it's instead of like the master of the correct answer, <laughs> it's, yes. you know, because that's, I feel like we, we, we feel that way is like, I've got to get them to this right answer. And yet we're, we lose so much information by not doing what you just said and really figuring out the thought process and what really works for them. Because once we do that, that clicks across the board on every subject. And mm. then we understand the student themselves. Right. Yeah. You said something really important. Uh, uh, so I want to, want to kind of add to that because, you know, if you think about us as people, you know, we just want to be heard. We mm-hmm. just want to know someone's listening. Right. Absolutely. And when a young person can be acknowledged like they know that they've been heard right their confidence soars Mm. and they're going to be willing to take that next step they may not have been willing to take before so i'm I'm glad you said what you said because it made me think of that it's like oh yeah i mean we just want to be heard right you know absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah and and i know we were asked a a question by um phoenicia she had asked about her her child with down syndrome and teaching and Mm. just in subtraction would you say like the same methodology would work. And that's what you would recommend. Absolutely. absolutely. Have them teach you, you know, have them. Mm. And, you know, it's like, you, you know, you're going to take something, put some, put something on the table, something they like, you know, whether yeah. it's cookies or coins or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, Skittles, whatever it is. Right. Right. And put them in piles and then just say, you know, well, well how many is there, you know, and then ask them, how would you figure out how many, how many there are? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. You know, because when we, we, and so we start with our courses, we ask people, you know, we ask them the definition of addition. <laughs> ah. a funny thing, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and I get, and I get once in a while, I get something from a mom. So this will be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get something from a mom and it's like, well, you know, we, we know what that is. Why are you telling us that we need to define, this is too easy for us. Rah, 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 you know, and I, and I hear that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, and I say, ask them, okay, well, what is the definition of addition? You know, and, as I'm asking that question right now, uh-huh. if you notice that you're having to think about it, 
like nothing's coming, right? Nothing's mm-hmm. coming. Or you're using words like sum, you know, well, it's the sum of two numbers, right? Okay, well, what's a sum? You know, and right. it's like, do you really conceptualize that? Be, that? Yeah. yeah. Why does it have uh-huh. to be numbers? Why can't mm-hmm. it be letters or frogs or what, right? You know? Right. When you get down to it, the idea of addition is that what we're actually doing, and this is what you do. You put the, let's use Skittles for an example. And we've mm-hmm. got our young person with Down syndrome and you put them out there. They like Skittles, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, how many are there? And if you could tell me how many there are, you can have some, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're, now they're going to do what? And if you think about what they're going to do, they're going to count them, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Now, if yeah. you put Skittles down and then you put, uh, and you put pencils on the other side and you say, well, now how many there are? They're going to tell you how many Skittles there are, and they're going to tell you how many pencils there are. Mm-hmm. So this is our working definition of addition in all of our classes. It's count things that are the same. Hmm. And it's interesting because when you say that, guess what? That answers the question about why you need a common denominator when you're adding fractions. It yes. works with like terms in algebra. How come you hmm. can add X mm-hmm. but not Y or X but not X squared? They've got to be the same so you can count them. Right. And, you know, it's funny, we break it down into that simple terms for kids because it's like they go, oh, OK. And, you know, right. you know, you know, it's funny when young people, when they get it, they're just like, yeah, OK, whatever. And off they go. And it's not right. there's not yet. But it's just like okay, fine, <laughs> the right? world so, is not flipped upside down. It's just OK. <laughs> yeah. You know, off they go. But I think if you can have them show you and show, you know, the thing to consider is, well, what is addition and what is subtraction? Uh, and so get really clear about that. You know, it's like, how do you teach subtraction? Do you know what subtraction is? Is that's my question to you as right. a mom, you know, and if you're not sure, uh, you know, you're going to be Google, you're going to, you're going to have to come up with a working definition for yourself so that you actually have a concept of what subtraction is. So Absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint on that one too, since you asked about subtraction, but subtraction, you know, some people say it's like taking away from something that's there. Okay. But is it really like, you know, if you, hmm. you know, when we're looking at what if something's not there, can you still take away from it? What if it was zero? What if it was negative? Right. It's not, it's actually less than not there. Right. So. Yeah. How many of you going, like, Oh dude, wait, okay. yeah. <laughs> spinning right now. Right. I, I just thought this was a cool podcast. No, no. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> making me really, think. Yeah, action. We're just, we're looking at the distance between things. That's all it is. Hmm. You know, cause if I ask somebody, well, how far is it from four to seven? Everybody's going to say three. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, well, how'd you do that? You know what young kids are going to say? I counted from four to seven, four, five, six, seven. I counted three, right? Perfect. That's the, that's the distance. That's how far it is. But that's what subtraction is. So now we take that same concept and we apply it to slope in algebra, you know, and we're oh, looking okay. at like, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. the change in Y over the change in X and how far, mm-hmm. well, what does a change mean? <laughs> the change means we're subtracting, but what right. does it really mean? The change? Well, the change is how far is it from one place to the other? You know, mm-hmm. and it, so it's interesting. So we take the definitions, we break them down into something that makes sense to a young person so that right. we can use them again later in, in higher level classes. Right. But absolutely. So the first thing that I would say, um, you know, it, there are there are different things, strategies you could use. But where I would start for yourself as a parent is what do the words mean and make yes. sure you're clear what they mean. So that, and not just like the how to do it, right? Because I know right, people- the definition you find on the internet or, yes. <laughs> yeah. But what does it actually mean? How would you explain the definition? And then, right. you know, and then, and then go from there. Um, and oftentimes once kids get the definition, 
they're off. They can do it because mm-hmm. they see it the way they see it. And then they'll come up with their strategy of how to do it. Right. Yep. And eventually they'll get the right answer. Which, Absolutely. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. But, but they'll and understand why they got the right there. answer instead of just yeah. getting the right answer. <laughs> so, That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dennis, I know, and we have multiple groups on Facebook and we have a support group. And so a lot of times parents will say, I'm struggling with math. What do I use? And they recommend your program. So you have been talked a lot about in our support group. Um, and I know a lot of homeschoolers love your program. I would love for you just to share um, just kind of what, why parents who have students that struggle really um, just gravitate to your teaching concepts. And I, we've been talking a little bit about that now and, right. and you kind of integrate all these, these things into your program, but what specifically um, can families find um, in the program that you offer that, that really helps facilitate a lot of what we've been talking about this last hour? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, we get asked that all the time. It's like, well, why are you different than this program and that program? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the first thing is I just say, we're just super cool, right? That's, you know, that's the first thing. Right? <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> but, but really, you know, we, we focus on language because I've mm-hmm. always looked at math like it's its own language and yeah. we need to understand the words. You know, that's why for me, like knowing what the word addition actually means, like getting it, like really getting it, like it's right. something that you can go back and you can actually share with somebody else. That makes a difference for people. The other thing that we do, we do this on purpose and, you know, we have um, videos that, the, the, you know, the lessons are video based and the the videos are designed. Do not watch them from start to finish. You'll, hmm. you know, your mind will wander, you'll fall asleep, you'll, you know, <laughs> all those things happen, right? But have the practice problems nearby that go with the section and do the practice problems while you watch the video. So you're watching a part of the video, you do the practice problems, you check your work, you come back to the video, you mm. do the next part of the video, you check your work. And the videos are written or done in a particular way where I'm changing the color of the pen over and over again throughout the lesson. Because every time the color changes, it's kind of like that. Um, it's almost like it gets your mind just to kind of stop, refocus, come right. back again. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so oftentimes it's like, you know, that that color change is almost like a like, you know, in television when the commercial comes on, it's like, OK, time for commercial. And you're, oh, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. OK, right. You know, so it's like <laughs> that ability to refocus uh, that. I think the other thing is we really provide a lot of support for students. So mm-hmm. we have sessions they can come to live online for extra help. They can email us. But, the, you know, the actually content and the context of the of the course is designed from we look at it from a language uh, mm-hmm. and we look at it from we're discovering, you know, it's, it's right. it, we want you to take the quizzes more than once. We want you to master mm-hmm. the concepts, the grade, uh, you know, what it, the grades, the grade. Right. Right. But for me, it's like if you finish up, if you finish a section and you have it 100 percent complete. Mm-hmm. then that's your grade. You know, right. it doesn't matter how long right. it took you. It doesn't matter how many times it took you to do it. We're really about mastery and that mm-hmm. kids learn how to discover on their own. So that's, you know, we designed the program that way. And, you that's know, awesome. kids tell us, it's like, they get it. And I'm like, yay, that's awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's that's really cool. And I've got the website up here. If you're listening to the podcast, it's it's mrdmath.com. And I'll make sure I put links in the, the description on YouTube as well as the podcast. So you can go right to that. And then you've got a book and I know they can find that on your website. And yeah. it, it kind of dives into deeper some of the concepts we were talking about here today. Can you share just a little bit more about sure. that as well? Yeah. The book is called Teach, um, Creating Independently Responsible Learners. And basically, look, I've been at this for 30 
35 years, right? So you're getting my 35 years in a, a and it's a short read. It takes about two hours to read the whole book. So, uh, yeah. you know, you're going to kind of get it through and it's written in a conversational style. So it's, you know, you can listen to it uh, as Polly did. She, um, as, yep. You, yep. You know, you podcast and, and or not podcast, yeah, but absolutely. the audio book. Yep. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, good. yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today and all of this great content. Um, our viewers have been quiet, but they've been on. So um, <laughs> they just sent their questions in ahead of time. So um, so I think we got to, to all of them. I know there was a, a plethora about math facts, but I think we covered um, a, a good slew of that. So um, anything else you have to wrap up as we end this conversation? Well, one thing is, um, I said your name was Polly, and I know it's Peggy. So my oh, apologies okay. for that, that's right? Okay. <laughs> I, I massacred my guest. I knew there was a, I knew there was time, a P so. and a Y in there, right? I was like, oh, I got lost after that. But you know, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I just, Absolutely. Uh, this, is, this has been a blast. So, you know, good. It's, uh, good. this I'm is like fun time for me. So it's great. It's late for you. Dennis is in Spain. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's okay. Now nah, we're, you know, we're a late night crowd over here for dinner. So it's like, oh, we're wrapping good. up here. The dinner's not till nine, 10 o'clock. So we're doing great. Wow. So all is good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Well, I appreciate you just taking out time sharing with us and, um, and just um, encouraging our families. I know math tends to be one of those things. And, you know, even if it's in the title and we talked about way more than math, um, but but I know that it's just a huge struggle for so many families and, you know, just being able to understand not so much, you know, just the, you know, here, do this, you'll get this. And then we, we don't see it with our children because our children are so unique. Um, but taking it more from the approach of the more global um, learning of what's going on, that process and what our child really needs and approaching it from that point of view. It's, it's been very enlightening and, and I know it's going to be helpful to many. So, so thank you for, for sharing and, um, all the work that you do. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And thanks to your families for being homeschool families. You're my heroes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, you all are amazing and we appreciate you. And um, thank you for being um, regular listeners, watchers here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, this wraps up our month of talking about helping students become more independent learners. Um, we have quite a few different podcast broadcasts that we did on this topic as Dennis is just kind of wrapping up that um, with us today. Um, and next month, we are diving into behavior, which probably most of you understand that if your child doesn't have that ownership of their learning, you're going to see some behaviors. And so we're going to talk about um, kind of just different ways um, to to mitigate, um, to, to help children to kind of work through that. And so my guest um, next week is going to talk about five keys to improve student behavior and starting to dive into that. So we've got a whole, I think I've got five different guests lined up that are all going to talk about that from different areas of executive functioning to um, just being able to calm themselves down. We've got a bunch of different therapists and people on. So, um, so you'll want to join us for that. But, um, but check out mrdmath.com and and um, Dennis's book and um, and yeah and thank you so much again Dennis appreciate you and um, thanks for for sharing with us thank you thanks for having me absolutely well take care everybody God bless and I will see you next time right here on Empowering Conversations take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer.
Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.